Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode 57 of the Cannabis 101 podcast where the motto is it's not just about getting high it's about getting healthy now we've got a fun show lined up for you and we kick things off in our own unique way trying to find out just exactly what's your groove put that in your pipe and smoke it you dig it! Kind of grabs you by the boo boo, don't it? Pipe in a grape, bong in a blitz. This is great! This is the bee's knees! Can you dig it? So for those of you that have listened to the show, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, For those that are new to the program, welcome. Uh, What's your groove means if you're grooving with anything cannabis-wise while listening, let me know what it is. Hit me up on Twitter at the Cannabis 101, or you can just email me, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Maybe you are, uh, I don't know, maybe you have a joint Maybe you've got uh, a bong. Uh, maybe you've got some uh, CBD. I'm not sure. Pipe and a crepe, bong and a blintz. Whatever you're going with, let me know what it is. What strain? Where are you? What are you doing? I'd love to know. Uh, my groove is uh, Helios from Hexo. And uh, this was uh, at one point a, uh, a variant of uh, Maui Wowie. Uh, now, uh, they're saying it's a uh, snow leopard. So that's changed a little bit. So, um, you will often find, um, you know, when you see these ounce bags, um, it could be one strain one time and then whatever the LP maybe has an abundance of, then that's what they're putting in, in that. So now uh, it's a snow leopard sativa. It's sweet, it's spicy. And, uh, the really cool thing is on Mondays at plant life, you can get three and a half grams for 20 bucks or two for 40. Uh, it's their daily special. Uh, it's great. I, I'm just uh, uh, almost in there, you know, every couple of weeks to pick up uh, another uh, Hexo product uh, at a great deal. So uh, without further ado, please allow me to get my groove on. If you've been uh, listening to this show for a while, you know I love uh, caryophylline, caryophylline, however you say it, and uh, it definitely has that uh, spiciness in it. There's some mercine in there as well. It's nice. So there you go. That's uh, my groove. Um, Also, uh, I've uh, tried out a couple of different things, and I always like to let you know what... uh, Sort of things are new uh, on the um, on the market. Uh, grabbed some uh, very well yawn. Uh, it's a basically it's a, it's a tincture, a tincture rather, 
Uh, and I grabbed this uh, from um, one of my favorite bud tenders, Nicole, at uh, Spirit Leaf Argyle, where, by the way, I'll be on location next Tuesday. Uh, they're having the bus, the Spirit Leaf virtual bus tour. Uh, it's Spirit Leaf Argyle. There's going to be a whole bunch of people on location uh, from a bunch of different LPs that uh, you might want to come down and say hi to. There'll be some free swag there as well, and I'll be there. Uh, anyway, these drops are pretty cool. Um, it's about 800 drops in this uh, bottle that it uh, comes in. And uh, we figured it's about uh, one milligram per two drops. So, you know, it, it, the effect is good. It's uh, fairly quick. There is uh, a bit of a taste, um, not a terrible taste, but the drink I was tasting did taste a little bit different. So just want to be honest, uh, but it's a it's an effective product. Uh, that's for sure. I was watching baseball on uh, opening night with that, and uh, man, I felt great. And uh, as the uh, name inspires, it was uh, making me uh, fairly tired. So a couple of things to uh, uh, keep in mind as far as uh, different products that you may or may not want to try, and uh, come on down and say hello. Spirit Leaf Argyle next Tuesday. As for what's coming down the hash pipe on this show, Chad Hasten, the Director of Marketing from Stigma Grow, great red deer company, local Alberta. Uh, you know, they talk about BC, bud. There's some cool Alberta companies that are making Alberta bud, A-B-B-U-D, very popular. So Stigma Grow is one of those. Uh, and, uh, you know, they've got... Uh, both sides of uh, of uh, the uh, cannabis chain going as far as uh, licensed producing and retail. So we'll tell you all about that in a great conversation with Chad. David Wiley, as always, from the OZ on This Week in Cannabis News, will be discussing CBD and the U.S. military, a new big player in B.C. Bud, Democrats with an absolute buzzkill, and cannabis brands taking a look at some of those. Chris Science and our educator from Nova Can uh, Nova Cannabis on Jasper Ave, as always, for What's That Strain. We're doing San Fernando Valley OG Kush uh, from Simply Bear Organic. Picked it up the other day. Used the click and collect method in and out. Safe for me, safe for the bud tenders. I don't have to fly all over the town looking for uh, what I want. I can just go on, use the Leafly site, and boom, you're in, you're out. You get your product. It's all ready for you safe and uh, effective uh, so use that uh, if you're heading to any nova stores uh, just head on the leafly site and you'll be able to find what you need and order ahead you go in click collect gone malka labelle will be back with the uh, business of cannabis she of course from the green generation co we're going to be discussing how an illegal market uh, managed to get a uh, press release out by a major newswire can't believe it. And our cannabis question will be about music this week. And don't forget, we'll tell you about the Weed Weekly, uh, where you can sign up. Uh, you need to sign up to get in on the monthly giveaway. Later this week, we'll be sending out the Weed Weekly on Friday. If you're a subscriber, you're in the mix for our monthly giveaway. And I've been collecting some cool things over the last little while from some cannabis companies. So how to get in on that, you just head to cannabis101podcast.ca, click subscribe and you're in the mix. All right, let's get on with the show, starting with our cannabis question. It's prize time. 
Chime in on the cannabis question. Okay. And you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Pipe in a crepe, bong in a blint. Hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. So the cannabis question, which can include uh, a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack for you this week. Uh, the prize pack will include for sure a Stigma Grow hat. Uh, Chad was nice enough to bring me one of those. And so I want to, I have my own, uh, thankfully. Uh, so I want to give you uh, a chance to uh, get a Stigma Grow hat, among other things that I'll throw in the prize pack. Question is, if you had a song that played as you were getting ready to consume and during, what would it be? Like, you know, you, you see Major League Baseball, if you've ever been to a baseball game, they have a walk-up song. Guys coming up to bat, and they'll play, like, uh, Tiny Dancer, whatever his favorite song is or something like that. Some pump-up song, like Eye of the Tiger, whatever. Or, uh, you know, the guy walking out for a UFC or a boxing match or a girl, and they have their walk-up songs that they come in. So let's say you're getting ready to roll your joint as you're rolling the joint. What song would you love playing uh, throughout speakers as you're walk-up song basically uh as you want to get ready to consume cannabis hit me up on uh, any of our social media feeds uh on twitter at the cannabis 101 uh, cannabis 101 podcast on instagram and facebook and if you would like to be anonymous which anybody can be not everybody is comfortable with their uh public uh cannabis use and that's fine some people have restrictions from their boss and that's fine so if you'd like to participate and try to win prizes anonymously, you can do that. Just send me an email, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. And uh, it doesn't have to be public. Uh, we will keep your answer, as, uh, your identity secret. And if you're the winner, we'll send you the prize pack. So for me, it would be Lowrider from War. Um, you know, I just love the uh, the fact that it's uh, so heavily prominent in Up and Smoke. And that was, you know... The, the weed movie I was weaned on uh, was Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. Uh, but it's just got such a great groove to it. You know, it's got a great, uh, uh, like, horn section and the bass line. It's just absolutely beautiful. If restrictions weren't so tight, I would play you some of it, but I do not want to get canceled or sued or uh, have this podcast taken down because of copyright. But anyway, I'm going on with Lowrider uh, by War. All my friends are a low rider. Do, 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 do. So that's that one that I would go with. So what's your cannabis walk-up song? What do you want playing as you're getting ready to do your thing? Hit me up on Twitter at the Cannabis 101 or any other social media feeds. What pairs well with cannabis is anything that goes well with cannabis. I want to know what you do uh, while consuming cannabis. What are the things that you like to do? I went floating down the Sturgeon River in St. Albert here where I lived the other day with my good buddy Jeff and it was great. I had some uh, pre-rolls uh, that I had picked up and uh, just floating along having a J and you know what? I, I, I've made sure that I had something that I could uh, ash into and then keep the uh, the butts in or like the, the filters in after they were done. Uh, because if you are going to do that, don't be throwing your garbage butts or ash in the river or the lakes or whatever you are doing. Let's, 
let's not be the uh, the uh, littering type of littering and uh, type of stoner. I mean, let's let's take care of things after we consume. So I made sure I had that, but it was glorious. It's just like it's like thirty degrees here in where we're living right now. So being on the water was gorgeous. Uh, we're actually going to do it again tomorrow uh, with a stand-up paddleboard. So I did a dinghy. My buddy did a stand-up paddleboard and uh, just uh, chilling out, smoking jays, floating down the river for a few hours. Man, that is awesome. All right, before we get to our uh, guest of the day, Chad Hasten from Stigma Grow, want to remind you about the Weed Weekly. You can get the latest on what's happening with the Cannabis 101 podcast. Uh, not just a recap of the show, but a few other th- surprises that are thrown in there as well. Just sign up at uh, cannabis101podcast.ca. If you're signed up, you're in the mix for the monthly prize pack, but only for subscribers. And it's an easy way to catch up with the Cannabis 101 podcast, win prizes, find out what's going on. And uh, we're trying to expand that a little bit. So keep it locked on that and we'll give you all the goods when it comes to the Cannabis 101 podcast. All right, let's get to our first guest, Chad Hasten from Stigma Grow, uh, the director of marketing, after we hear the weed song from the artist, My Dead Dog. your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Happy to welcome in studio, thank you very much for making the drive up, Chad Hasten, the Director of Marketing for Stigma Grow. If there was a day to drive up, I guess this probably would be it. Uh, it's beautiful. Though. It is so gorgeous. Um, and the scenery coming up here, wow. Yeah, the... the <laughs> canola the canola there's always great stuff well you're coming into edmonton didn't you see all the mountains uh that uh, they sold the nhl players on that uh, I, uh, to, to come to the hub city i am aware yes, yes. alberta has mountains <laughs> that's yes. right yes uh all right so chad i always like to start with all of my cannabis guests with a question about their career before cannabis because um for most of us we all did something before there are people that are coming out of school and this is their first job and how lucky for them but what was career before cannabis for you so i am a little bit different situation in that i'm still doing marketing so before i came and did full-time cannabis for stigma grow i actually had my own agency Mm. i I still do have my own marketing agency uh, candid marcom and I represent all types of products. And over the last three years, cannabis companies started to be that industry that needed to be branded, which is what I did. Uh, so fortunately, I knew some people that were putting money into making a go of it. And uh, my first gig was branding New Leaf Cannabis. Mm. Um, and from there, I managed to meet just about everybody. So from there, I started getting more calls. And when I worked for Stigma Grow, it was initially uh, marketing. So before this, I did marketing, and now I'm still doing marketing. That must be, um, I, I think, such an advantage. Um, uh, you know, f- some people said they've gone from alcohol to cannabis. Well, we, we definitely know that those worlds are a lot different uh, with as much similarities as they have. But 
How much of an, an advantage do you think that gives you um, having done this for, you know, marketing, but especially cannabis for a while? I'll say that marketing cannabis has been an experience unlike anything that I've done in the past. Uh, the restrictions on it. Um, one of the best parts of marketing is that you get to be creative. And, you know, I talk about these this 24-hour-a-day process of you're always thinking of new ways to communicate or, or seeing how other people's communicate message and, and how you could apply similar practice to your own. Um, but with cannabis, there is it's just so restricted uh, across the board that it's really been more of an exercise in learning than applying my previous knowledge. Now, obviously, when it comes to website development, understanding sure. social media and all that, I, I have an advantage. Uh, but this has truly been um, a two-year crash course in what you can and cannot do, um, literally building a, a plane while you fly it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, as far as cannabis, we, you know, we talked about one-hitters uh, about your, your first time, but you know, when did cannabis become a part of your kind of personal life on, you know, more than just trying it for the first time? I would say it became part of my life in grade 12 of high school. When I was about 17. Um, before then, I had tried it off and on. Uh, I was dating an older girl who was chronic um, and she kind of hid it from me and then sort of introduced it to me. And at first it just made me tired. Um, but as someone that never really loved getting drunk, um, I quickly saw it as an amazing substitute. Mm -hmm. um, certainly once my endurance got up to the point where I could go out socially and enjoy it. At that time, I had no concept of indica versus sativa or anything like that. Um, so yeah, that's when it, it really started was around 17, 18. And, and I would say that the people that I smoked joints with, and I would still say that today, um, really helped me find a lot of great circles. Yeah. Uh, the amount of connectivity that I've gained just by being open to smoking with new people pre-COVID um, really did sort of send me down a path that I didn't want to stray from. So what was it about, was it just your, you know, your love for cannabis that said, I'm going to get into the, the cannabis biz then? Or was it, you know, like combining, you know, something, just wanting to do something you love or was it convenient? Like what was the, uh, the impetus for you to say, all right, let's get into this. So I always introduce myself as a storyteller. If you look me up on LinkedIn, you know, not, not so much a marketing professional, but a storyteller, writer by trade. And there is a story to be told when it comes to cannabis. Um, I would jump on any of these opportunities. Uh, I've sold for, you know, Honda, Kids Cancer Care Foundation, right. like every, every side of the spectrum, I can get behind it. But rarely does something come to you that you're already trying to sell to everyone you know and love off the clock. Uh, so the fit there was perfect. And and what made me decide to leave my agency from a, a, a daily active level and go in-house to a company, which I, I hadn't done in years, was that I was doing, you know, 30% of my work was around cannabis branding and 70% was around other things that was just not as fun. Right. You know what they say about finding something that you love, you never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And I can honestly say for the last year and a bit, aside from the exhaustive fact that we work constantly, it feels like you haven't worked today. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, um, I guess it's a, it's a lot of hours, but you're right. It doesn't feel like work as when you're talking like, you know, technically this is work right now as we're talking about why I we guess love so, cannabis. Yeah. So um, I, sometimes I, I'll, I'll look at the clock on a Wednesday night and be like, wow, it's 10.30 p.m. I, I'm still going, but I've been editing cannabis stuff for, you know, some of my other sports stuff or whatever, but it doesn't feel like that when it's something that you're passionate about, I think is what Agreed. it kind of comes down to. So then what was it about Stigma Grow that attracted you and, and made you say, hey, I want to join this team? 
Well, originally it was a friend that introduced me to the company. They were with another agency and they were finding what you touched on. Um, they were talking to people that didn't have a love for the plant. Mm-hmm. And without that love, they weren't, you know, their passion and, and respect for it and even knowledge of it was, was falling drastically short from aligning with the, with the owners who, um, you know, Kim and Travis uh, McIntyre, who are uh, the couple that owns and started Stigma Grow. When they approached me, it was just they were going to be another client of mine. But after about three or four months, um, first of all, I saw the opportunity to brand a ton of products, a ton of pillars, which is what I truly love to do. Um, and I saw that they were going to not, their company wasn't as bureaucratic as some of the other companies where, yes, good intentions and good ideas might have a place on the boardroom floor, um, but you're never going to actually get to execute on those. Mm-hmm. So I saw the opportunity to really be able to dig deep, do everything I could possibly want and more with very little restrictions. Um, As well, Stigma Grow was getting into concentrates, which is something that I knew was going to be the future of cannabis uh, and something I knew very little about. And I always loved the opportunity to combine um, my passion for learning with my my passion for work. So mm-hmm. uh, it, man, it's several, several levels. It, it worked on every level. Well, and knowledge is something that you can continually get with cannabis. Uh, the day I find somebody that tells me they know everything about cannabis is when I know I'm talking to a liar. Because yeah. I'm not sure anybody will ever know everything about cannabis. Maybe someday, but... I'm not sure no. in our lifetime, like this plant just seems to have so many layers like an onion, right? Just, yeah, just scratching the surface. Uh, an overview of stigma cannabis then. Give me, or stigma grow rather. Sure. Give me kind of a an overview because you guys, um, you know, kind of have several layers as well within this company. We do. Um, so I'm actually going to take one step further back and introduce you to Cannabis Capital Inc. Okay. So that's actually, I'm marketing director for that company. Um, they have four pillars. One of them is our LP, uh, which is Stigma Grow out of Red Deer. Right. Uh, we do dry flower and concentrates, so pre-rolled joints. Uh, we're just now getting into tins, eighths, and quarters or in the near future. Um, and then the full line of full-spectrum BHO concentrates. Um, so there's, there's that side. Then we have a retail side, which right. is Indicative Collection. And that is just one location out of Red Deer. Yeah. We really view our retail pillar as the opportunity to remain engaged with the community at all times. Um, if you go into that store, it's, it's very unlike a lot of other retailers. Um, first of all, their pricing is amazing. And that, that's not just a plug. Um, but they're truly trying to find out what everybody likes. They're, they're not, we're not loyal, obviously, to Stigma Grow. We wouldn't be allowed mm. to legally. Um, but we do but offer. But it's a really good deal when you buy Stigma Grow at that place. It might be the best price. I'm telling town. you, that's the best price you're going to yeah, find well, for Stigma Grow. We really want to introduce everyone to our products. So we're encouraging every retailer um, that carries our products to to really watch the markups and, and get it at a competitive price. Because right. anyone that's familiar with the legal industry knows we can compete on the quality side, but man, is it tough to, to qualify on the price side once you get through all of the levels of Taxes. taxation yeah. and, and overhead. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, we have that. Um, then we have a lifestyle product called Stigma Roots, uh, where while others destroy the roots of their cannabis plants, um, we actually mix them into a balm mm. um, that has a ton of medical benefit uh, or perceived medical benefits for legal purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that line. Uh, and then we also do um, uh, research development uh, and uh, uh, product development uh, as our fourth pillar. So, Wow. Uh, the, the company motto is almost the name stigma grow, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Like the, the motto was kind of almost wrapped up in the title that like, listen, you guys are, uh, we're all here to end the stigma of cannabis. 
It says it right in your name. It's funny. It's it's two pronged for us now. It started off um, with wanting to really take on the stigma of cannabis head on, um, but now it's evolved into a second stigma of legal cannabis um, and its ability to compete uh, on the black uh, with the black market. Right. Um, so it's interesting, but yeah, uh, the and and you said it, but the justification of our name is very much we're looking to take on stigmas of cannabis head on. Tell me about the production facility then in, uh, is it, is it in Red Deer just outside of Red Deer? It is. It's, it's right inside of Red Deer. It's just kind of on the, uh, uh, on the, on the outskirts of Red Deer. Okay. So tell me a little bit about the, the facility, um, you know, what you guys are doing, how big it is, things like that. Sure. Um, so we actually just finished, uh, a development. We, we started off at 66,000 square feet, um, several grow rooms and a processing, uh, room. If you know anything about BHO concentrates, the space that you need, the, the literal bomb proofing for that area is right. significant. Um, but we recently just, uh, did an expansion, um, increasing our production size by about, uh, 300% and our wow. overall floor space by 500%. Um, which floor space is, is amazing to have. It's funny when you're trying to do so many different things, uh, how quickly you lose square footage in your facility. So we're continuing to grow. We always have a, a next step. Um, but right now we're, we're focused very much on, on increasing our production space because there's such a need for third-party processing and yes. just anybody making concentrates. Uh, and we're one of the few, if not the only, certainly first to market, um, doing the BHL. Okay, so you've got a, a great production facility in Red Deer, and then Gasoline Alley. We talked about uh, the the retail outlet. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it's it's wonderful. I was just there in the swag shop, right beside it. Uh, I like the little patio area that that is out there. And I know for legal reasons, uh, it'd be great for us one day to be able to have sessions out there. We're not there yet, but. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of that in the future, or just, I don't know if that's a hangout space for people or not, or. Well, well that's a swag shop patio. Oh, Dane, that's the swag free, shop you patio. You feel free to come out, yeah. So oh, for those okay. that don't know, swag shop and indicative collection uh, share the same main entrance, but are two different businesses. Oh, I didn't know that. They share a patio, but because indicative collection can't do anything legally, um, but swag shop can, oftentimes swag shop will put on an event uh, that benefits indicative collection, okay. um, but is under the umbrella of swag shop. So we've done, we did a Canada Day barbecue. Nice. Uh, occasionally, you know, something for 420 or 710. And keep your eyes out. We, we do stuff. And uh, typically when Swag Shop does something, Stigma Grow swings by. All right. I am, uh, I am looking forward to getting down there and hanging out at uh, one of those events. Let's talk about some of the products. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so tell me what's exciting you right now, or, or I, I guess maybe just kind of give an overview before we get into some future products, give me kind of an, uh, our listeners a kind of an overview of some of the things that are available from Stigma Grow. Sure. So concentrates, as you know, came out uh, late last year and we really didn't start seeing them in stores until January, February. Uh, over the last 60 days, we've seen, you know, some of the bigger companies or the ones that we've been waiting on show up with stuff like Shatter, um, you know, your hash, mm -hmm. your uh, distillates were always around, but uh, uh, we came up with um, live resin caviar, uh, batter, live resin butter, 
uh, and we just recently started producing Shatter, mm-hmm. which, and I think Shatter is the one that everyone kind of knows. Uh, you either have heard of Hash or you've heard of Shatter, but chances are you haven't heard of stuff like caviar or rocks and sauce or, you know, even batter, butter, sugar, wax, stuff mm-hmm. like that. If you have heard of it, you maybe don't know what makes each one different. Certainly when we start talking about the difference between cured or live resin, you don't know. So when I talk about what's out there, uh, right now, it's really just scratching the surface, but it's funny because it's the high-end stuff, the caviars and the batters and that that came out, and a lot of people were completely unaware of what those products were, mm-hmm. um, whereas some of the maybe not as mind-blowing, amazing, and potent stuff that's coming out, the shatters and hashes and all that, that's what people are kind of chomping on the bit for. So it's interesting. Uh, it probably should have been the other way around where we gradually introduce and work our way up. Right. Um, but I think everyone, including us, is catching up to that at this point. It's interesting. You know, I all we all, well, I shouldn't say we all, but most of us remember that ball of hash we got at some point. Blades. Used knives, yep. you know, like... I'm so stupid to think my parents weren't going to notice the burnt knives <laughs> when they came home from camping trip. But anyway, uh, so you, you, we all kind of remember that. And, and, you know, that's still around. I've seen that from different places. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but then the shatter is something that I, I had once previously. Right. Uh, you know, rosin was something that I discovered, you know, heat and pressure. And mm-hmm. I didn't know about that. And I've had some, uh, some pressed. And I just love the... Um, I guess the variety that is out there for people to choose, whether you're new or you've been smoking since you were 18, but have never got into this, like it is such a different, and I just, I just love the experience of it. I like to hear you say that. Um, as someone that was introduced to concentrates just about a year and a half ago, the education behind them, I, I'm same boat. Um, I think that really there's a concentrate for everybody as well. Uh, when cannabis became legal, one of the markets that we knew we would try to have to go after um, is those residential suburban moms, right? That don't want necessarily a, cannab- a cannabis shop near mm-hmm. them. They hate the smell of a joint. And who does like the smell of a joint if you don't smoke? Uh, to us, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, will, I can smell it. But to others, it, it's skunky, right? They, they don't love it. Right. So I get how they would not like smoking a dube. But to not try some of the clean and efficient and potent and fragrant concentrates out there is really to miss out on something that would be an amazing fit. Especially with the amount of portable options Except. that you have. Like, Case listen, point. I have a dab rig and I use my uh, hexagon from Burnt, uh, but I don't like using the torch. Like, I've got little marks where I burn myself. And so I want to get something that takes some of that danger out and you know something easy and that's what people can get now uh so i i'm i'm really excited about uh more concentrate or more products and more options um and as far as flour um and, and pre-rolls like i've had those cannons yeah. that you guys have and? like they're pretty exciting like they are uh pr- I, I gave one to a friend and i said you probably are not gonna want to 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 take the whole thing just mm-hmm. i told her i said just have it and then put it down for a little while and enjoy the experience. They are as advertised. Yeah. Um, yeah, the cannons. It's funny. We started with the single gram cannons. Um, and again, to those of our listeners that aren't aware, the percentage of the pluses, I, I believe, are at around 28.4 THC. 
Um, again, pre-COVID, that's something that you could share with a few people and everybody sure. get their fix. Nowadays, it's a little tough to, to haul down on a full gram 20% THC cannon. Exactly, um, yeah. So we're actually headed in the direction of multi-packs and smaller joints. Same potency, but yeah. again, post-COVID, you have to adjust, and uh, it's a lot more single smoke sessions that we're it, looking to provide. It for. is such a good option. We can still have uh, safe sessions with each other. Yeah. We're just not passing joints or bongs or anything. It's like bring your own cannabis. That's right. what the sessions are now, right? We could still do it, but we just can't be shared. If it's my wife, okay, you're, it's a little different. But yeah. when you're getting together with a group of friends, that is a really good point, actually, post-COVID, to be able to adjust and say, you know, I, I, I still think the, the big cannons are there for some people that can, you know, can enjoy those that they're experienced. But for a lot of other people that are getting used to cannabis, the, the, the socialization has changed. It really has. You know, and it, cannabis is such a social thing. I know. It's a bummer. We we yeah. will find a way. Yeah, we'll, we'll get through this. But for right now, we can still have those sessions. You just shouldn't be uh, sharing joints, as as we kind of talked about. Agreed. What about future? Uh, what You know, is there anything you can give us a look into about what you guys have your eyes on? So as a company, that always evolves. We, we really are trying to pay attention to what the industry wants. Uh, we are a company of cannabis experts, so we're always going to put our educated best foot forward. Um, but we're not too proud to adjust and pivot uh, based on the needs of the industry. So we will always be focused on what people want and holes that exist. Having said that, I personally, and I was actually just having a conversation um, with our lead processor, Justin Wild, uh, before I came here, and he echoed this uh, opinion, but the ability for us to strip away everything that you don't want about cannabis and give you a right fit, personalized product um, you know, be that as a result of a test that you take or be that as a result of just your own learning uh, as a consumer. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, when we talk about terpenes and we talk about cannabinoids and we talk about strains and benefits, um, this is a wonder plant uh, that can cater to people unlike anything else on earth. Um, and really looking forward to the embracing the customization. Now, how we're going to strip those out, uh, how we do it now is great. And, and I think that that these products and that will that we have now will probably very much stand the test of time um, and technology will change. But yeah, I think it's going to be those personalized. I want exactly this percentage because I know it's going to do exactly this for me. Mm -hmm. I, I always think I think it would be so cool to have, um, you know, like what you guys have deciding, you know, what strain are we going to grow or, or whether it's creating a strain. I just think Creating a strain is is one of my bucket list things to, you know, at some point when I can kind of get into growing and understanding to be able to create and name your own strain would be cool. But just watching your own product grow, whether you have your four plants at home or you have a giant facility in Red Deer, those decisions would be so fun to be a part of, of like, okay, what are we going with? And then watching it grow. Growing is... It uh, I liked gardening before cannabis, you mm. know, and no tomato has given me the joy of cannabis. But yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And even though we are an LP and desperately want people to spend their money on our products, I welcome everyone to do their plants at home and learn about it. It's only by truly understanding cannabis that you can pick out what's better. Right. And our slogan is, we grow better for those that know better. And it 
means a lot more than just we've got great weed and you better know so yeah um but even from the training that we give to our third-party growers for what they need to do to their cannabis before they bring it to get the maximum yield and and best results in their concentrates we really do push education first because when you truly understand cannabis you can really separate the wheat from the chaff that's such a good point, and uh, I think education is key. Um, th- you know, you guys are stigma grow. Uh, the I think the greatest way to end the stigma is normalizing, mm-hmm. and how do you normalize? Uh, you educate. Um, I, I think that would be a lot of pressure, though, deciding strains to grow for a, a company. I, you know, like I'm, I, if it's me, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know if you there's a market research. Do you have a crystal ball to find out? Uh, do you go with the the favorites, um, just the whole process fascinates me in how something starts from A to shelf, you know, seed to shelf, seed, that whole yeah. process of going through it. And, um, you know, I, I, I think with, uh, when you're with a company like yours is, a you know, not, not the, as you said, as much bureaucratic, right. I think there's probably a lot more, a lot of input from everybody that goes into the process. There is. Yeah. You, you get a lot of input. You, you know, you get to hash it out in the back room among right. four or five of you, as opposed to, and and then, and then you make the decision right there. Right. Um, it's a double-edged sword, right? You get to make just as many mistakes as sure. you make yeah. successes. But I think anyone that thought they were going to get into this industry uh, and knew it all to your point when they walk in, uh, they didn't. And yeah. you really need to be able to learn your lessons, pivot, um, and, and have people that are willing to just roll up their sleeves and get it done at the end of the day. Yeah, well, history is filled with people uh, that made at least one mistake before they were successful. I think there's some Einstein quote about the amount of times he failed, right? So, yeah, I think but, even Warren Buffett has made a few mistakes. Yeah, uh, exactly. But again, learning experiences. It, yeah. That, that isn't just a cliche. Pivoting is something that is so important, uh, not, not just in cannabis, in, in life, in, in business, being able to... Uh, handle a challenge and then uh, either meet it head on or say, okay, we're going to go this way. That's, but in the cannabis space, that is so important. You know, I know companies that had this product uh, ready to go and then, oh, Apple's not going to allow us to use it. Well, we're scratching that and we're pivoting, right? Mm -hmm. That's an important part of being in this business. It's huge. And if you came in here only able to do one thing, you better hope nobody else could because the competition is pretty fierce. But again, I still think there's room in the industry for people to find those holes, uh, people not doing things a certain way. Um, But as well, this industry is competitive as it is. It really is a community. Um, the, The legal cannabis industry we all really need to rely on each other. LPs mm-hmm. working together, those with certain licenses working together in order to move this forward because it really has been a bureaucratic nightmare to get anything done over the last couple of years. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but out of all the some of the the strains, the flower that you guys have or the, the concerts, do you have a favorite uh, with some of the ones that, that you have tried Hands with down. you guys? Hands okay, down. what is it? Uh, our Chapter One Cured Batter is my go-to product uh, almost daily and i like to try to give myself some tolerance breaks during the week uh, so i go back and forth from flour but um our cured batter i mean we've done all kinds of products but the chapter one cured batter the consistency the potency the kick in the face you get from the aroma of the terpenes when it opens up um we haven't had a single complaint how about anything on the flour what about a flour yeah so um we've got uh tranquil elephantizer Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> um, banana punch going right now. We've also got uh, something we named uh, Mysoma. Uh, you would probably know it as Mimosa. Okay. But again, when it comes to naming products, you can't do anything that uh, is appealing to a kid or sounds like another product. Right. So we've, we've had to make some mi- minor adjustments um, just, to, just to get through the hoops. Uh, we also do a, a sour grape yeah. that is fantastic. Um, there's lots. Yeah, I like them all. And our uh, our cannons are actually typically a blend of those. Nice. Um, which is how we get uh, some of the entourage effect uh, working together. Uh, you know, I made the joke the other day. I picked up uh, some green kraken. I think it was Boaz uh, green kraken. Yeah. And I said, how long until uh, they're going to have to change this name? Because now the Seattle kraken. Like, it's oh, just, I heard that. The like new if, hockey team. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Could you name a strain blue oiler? Like, I don't know if that would be allowed. But... It's just, uh, uh, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek with the regulations. Like, I'm wearing a zigzag shirt. Zigzag was told this was too much of a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Bic lighters. Like, the, the, the kind of the regulations go a little bit too far, which leads me into my, my next question is your thoughts on legalization. I know some of the regulations are frustrating, and I also know, I, I, I'm... I think I'm able to see both sides. I'm frustrated by them too. I would love uh, to be able to have stigma grow as an advertiser. It's just not possible right now or anybody else. But I also know why they have been so strict because other states let everybody do what they want and then pull back. And, and my philosophy is if you've ever tried to take a toy away from a kid, it's not that pleasant. So your thoughts True. on legalization. I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, and I empathize. Uh, if I knew what I knew now, two and a half years ago, I would still vote for the legalization. I get needing to go too far in order to come back. What I don't understand is some of the policies that make it impossible for the legal market, not impossible, but difficult for the legal market to compete with the black it's market. It's barely legal, right? right. Like they're, they're, they've done the bare minimum, it seems. Well, when it was introduced, it was introduced because they wanted to make it available as something that wasn't, you know, didn't mimic the stigmas around it. Um, but they also wanted to cut off the black market. Well, the number one way to cut off the black market is by, well, it's twofold, better quality, uh, to, you know, you take away all the danger and all that that comes Poison. from, a, from yeah. an illegal those, activity. The, those illegal vapes that were that had poison in them. Exactly. Uh, and, and then the second is price. Mm. And we all know that when it comes to safety, price is a big deterrent from us doing what's sure. absolutely ideal. Um, and, you know, the idea that they're taxing it so much right from the very beginning, as opposed to, say, giving us a two or three year grace period and then driving out the black market and then truly taxing a hundred percent of the cannabis market because that black's gone mm-hmm. the long-term strategy doesn't make sense to me what they're doing versus what they could it's like they got in it to make a quick buck with such high taxes right like and that's the opposite approach of a long-term industry and you look at you know lps it's not super easy to open an lp at all um but retail is even more difficult and there are so there's not a lot of mom pa lps there's a lot of mom pa retail stores where they put their life into it and then were forced to wait years to turn a profit and then while at that still point paying. while still paying and then when they're finally sort of released but it's limited product and you've got four stores open within a five mile radius mm-hmm. it's just 
to your point, it almost seems like the quick buck is more important than doing it right so that we can get rid of the black market. I'm not going to lie to you. I know people in the black market, love people in the black market. Mm -hmm. They catered to me for 20 years before Trudeau did. Um, but I do believe if we want to go legally and we want to do it right, that there are, there's been some missteps and, sure. and some... Uh, big picture strategic moves that just don't make sense to me. Well, and some of those black market people uh, should uh, be incorporated into this process that we're in. And I know that's happening a little bit, but of course, it, it's a it's a tough process for some of those people that you know maybe have uh, some you know a, a conviction or or something on their record for pot that is now legal, which doesn't make any sense. That's preventing them from getting into like. Your your reason uh, for for person X for not getting in, you have a pot conviction. Yeah, but I'm trying to get in to sell legal pot. It's legal now. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. So we have to have find a way to bring those people in. I I had Anne McClellan on my show last summer, uh, who was you know obviously the 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 chair of the t the task force that that recommended legalization. And I asked the question. I said, why have you made cannabis more like cigarettes? as opposed to alcohol. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at the three, cannabis is hidden away like mm -hmm. cigarettes, while alcohol is dancing around, having a party, inviting kids to come drink strawberry daiquiris or whatever the drink might be, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And sh her response was, well, I think alcohol should be in there too. Okay, then do that. Don't don't say that, but you're not doing it. You're not convincing alcohol now. Alcohol's not going away like cigarettes did. But if you do believe that, then all three of them, and I would have no problem hiding all three of those things from kids. Well, throw gambling in there while you're at it. Yeah, like, to, but it's just, it's silly to to lump it in with, with one and leave the other one with such an advantage. Like it's it's Agreed. not even close. Ag yeah. Hide them all. Agreed. We, I don't even like that cannabis is in the same world. The, the, when you look at the statistics of harm for the others, yes. it, it just doesn't exist in yes. the world of cannabis. And there is nobody taking alcohol yeah. or gambling for medical purposes, like for legit medical yeah. purposes. It's, yeah, but but I get that. I get the pain of growth. I, yeah, I get what, that yeah. it's going to take a while. And and I would say, for, uh, to your point about the convictions, it does seem like the government is willing to start reviewing those things. Um, I think that's it's happening. It's just taken a while, right? Like anything else, yeah. it'll take a while. And hopefully um, the next government picks up where they leave off. For sure. All right, let's uh, end with this. We're, we've seen, uh, first of all, legalization was the big thing. It, uh, you know, for us to be able to see an industry born before our very eyes it still is blows my mind. so rare in humanity. So I love that. You know, I, I, I really think being born in the 70s was the best because you got to the innocence of uh, pre-technology where you still had to get up and turn the channel on your TV to this technology where we can have these video conferences that they had on the Jetsons. So, and all we need is flying cars, right? Yeah, and the pizza pill. In the yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So what's the next big thing? We had legalization and then we had uh, edibles, drinks, concentrates, extracts. What do you think, whether it's a product or, you know, a process or a regulation being dropped, what do you think is the next big thing that's going to excite people in cannabis? I think the next big thing to my earlier point is that that personalized approach to cannabis. But with a, with a bit of a caveat, I think in order for us to achieve the next best thing, we really need to, to your point, put it in a different category. Um, I'd love to see restaurants that, that serve that. Uh, and I know that you can do private events. Mm -hmm. There's still ways around all of that. I've met some amazing cannabis chefs uh, and what they can do. Uh, but I think until the stigma is truly gone, and even though it's legal, it's still not truly gone, 
then we'll start seeing what the next best thing could be. It's like saying, what level can we reach with this stepladder? Right. Well, eventually we'll get to something, but you know, you give me that 30 footer or some scaffolding and, and let me show you what we can do. So I think the products, uh, for the most part, we'll, we'll see, you know, food and beverage, uh, infusion, stuff like that, new ways of consuming healthier mm. ways, uh, no damage to the lungs. Um, but again, for something crazy new to happen outside of, of that, uh, I think we really do need a country to embrace it and say, let's really see what it can do. I love the idea of what we've all heard. And, and most of us have been on a pub crawl before, right? I would love the idea of a weed crawl where you can go to different, for lack of a different term, uh, weed lounge or cannabis lounge, uh, say you're on Jasper Ave or White Ave and you know, you're popping by like you would do for all the pubs, but you're popping in and having a, a cannabis drink or here you're gonna have a joint, which we, we may not ever be able to light up in public, which I understand that's a, that's a, a, a Are we not a health... supposed to be lighting up in public? Well, in public uh, uh, oh, like restaurants and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Oh like, man. Like you can't smoke in, you can't smoke in restaurants. Like I know that. So remember though, remember yeah. when you could and yeah. they actually had a non-smoking yeah. section? Here's the dumbest thing. I used to go to hockey games and there would be a <sighs> non-smoking and all it was was paint on the floor. Yeah. So it's like a no pee section in the pool. That's exactly. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get to that, but being able to go on weed crawls. And the second thing is instead of winery tours, if we could ever get to the point where we can have, you know, go from LP to LP and then you can buy like what's the farm to gate or, yeah. or whatever kind of that's the, I think that step, because you know what that is, that's then that's cannabis tourism, right? Agreed. And that is coming. I believe um, we certainly have a plan for that, but I agree. You can go through the Jack Daniels factory or a yeah. winery and at the you end, you Okanagan, get a little pack. Yeah. You go and you go to Quails Gate, you go through and then you buy something or you get something or whatever. I believe that's coming. That is more of a separation of retail and LP, which is cloudy at best now yeah. anyways. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I look forward to that. Chad, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for a, driving you. up and uh, spending a little bit of time with me. It's been a heck of a time. Thank you very much, Dean. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. And that was a really fun conversation and uh, an interesting look at, um, a, pardon the pun, a, a budding company in the cannabis industry. I'm a big fan of their batter. Uh, some of the uh, the best uh, uh, out there uh, that I've been able to check out. And make sure you check out One Hitters later in the week featuring Chad as we get to know his cannabis history. You can find it and full episodes at www.cannabis101podcast.ca where you can subscribe to the Weed Weekly and qualify for our monthly giveaway. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. David Wiley from the OZ joins me as usual. You can find them online at okanaganz.com slash OZ. Check them out on Twitter at Okanagan Z and at Wiley Ryder. David, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we are finally getting some heat, like 35 degrees here in uh, northern Alberta. Is the sun still shining where you are? Man, it's cooking. 
It's uh, yeah, about the same temperature here, and uh, you know, I, I was gonna turn on the barbecue tonight, but I, I literally feel like I'm on the barbecue. <laughs> it is hot. Yeah, luckily you have a lot nicer water uh, to bed. There's not the you know I'm from Manitoba, uh, you know millions of lakes uh, compared to Alberta where there's not a lot, and the ones that are nice are already crowded. Where you are, mm-hmm. there's tons of water to cool off on. It's pretty beautiful. We have one of the biggest uh, lakes in all of Canada here. So, you know, whenever we can get out, get out to it, we certainly do. And there's lots of smaller ones, too. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. A good Canadian summer. And hopefully people are out there enjoying it and doing it at a distance. Mm-hmm, doing it safely, for sure. Let's talk chat about our first story. And uh, this is music to my ears. And one step closer to people recognizing the benefits of cannabis in that CBD has been approved for use for U.S. military members. It looks like cannabis in the military may be slowly marching toward normalization. Um, the U.S. is a bit of a different beast than Canada here. So the, the federal government in the U.S. legalized hemp in 2018, uh, removing it from its list of controlled substances. Now, hemp, by definition in the U.S., is basically any cannabis product with less than 0.3% THC. That's considered hemp. Uh, So it's created a bit of a booming CBD market. In the military, though, there uh, was a blanket ban, um, and part of that reason was that they wanted to, quote, protect the integrity of the drug testing program. So it's, it's tough to test. Uh, when you've got that, even that little bit in the system. Um, but uh, yeah, so it looks like now we've got approval from a House committee um, that would let troops who previously used cannabis to re-enlist. Um, and even more progressively, Congress has passed an, an amendment to allow service members to use hemp and CBD products. Now that's a National Defense Authorization Act, as it's called, passed uh, 336 to 71. Um, now, it's, it still requires approval in the Senate. Uh, and, you know, this goes against what the uh, military wants. The military actually wants just a blanket ban. They don't want uh, any members of the military to use cannabis in any form. Uh, but if this does get passed, uh, it would supersede Defense Department rules. And also, I think there's an also an option for people to be able to re-enlist who have maybe had some uh, previous uh, uh, ca- uh, CBD or, or cannabis. Um, I don't know whether it would be suspensions, but it, it just looks like they're, pardon the pun, marching in the right direction with this. Well, let's hope so. It's the U.S. I don't even. Uh, I don't even say that I come close to understanding what's going on down there. Uh, it really is a mishmash patchwork. Uh, there's different laws all over the place in different departments in different states. Um, but overarchingly, it is completely illegal on the federal level, except for CBD, which is strange to me. I, I mean, from what I hear, you can actually go into a gas station in the U.S. buy CBD products, which is something you can't do here. And we have a legal market. Yeah, you can buy, I was uh, told um, by a friend that you can buy CBD in a mall kiosk in Las Vegas. It's uh, it's it's weird down there. Yeah. Get your new screen uh, for your phone and some CBD uh, and some sunglasses <laughs> uh, all in one place at the uh, kiosk. It's uh, 
it's a it's a wide open wild world down there and it's not federally legalized as you mentioned all right let's go closer to home now and uh there seems to be a new big player in the bc cannabis space what can you tell us about that it's always surprising to see who's involved in cannabis it's sometimes personalities that you would never expect uh and in this case the growth op has actually found that a Vancouver-based company uh, that's getting its hands into cannabis both in BC and in Alberta is actually funded by a Kuwaiti billionaire. Uh, so his name is Bassem Al-Ghanim. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, um, but he is making lots of moves. He, he seems to be the head of a company called Bazam Management. And yet they recently bought a 250-acre farm uh, as well as a hotel in Midway, B.C. Hmm. Uh, so the hotel would be used to house farm workers. It's not approved yet. So they're still waiting on, on their Health Canada approval. Now, Midway, it's uh, located in a semi-arid zone in the west boundary area of B.C., and that's between Osoyoos and Grand Forks. So not too far from where I am, actually. Now, this, this region has some really fertile ground and great growing conditions. And we're starting to see a lot of outdoor operations uh, that are really taking root here. Now, the, the tip-off that something was happening on this farm uh, that may have involved cannabis was that five kilometers of three-meter-high fencing uh, had been installed around about a 100-acre upper lot. Uh, barbed wire and everything, security cameras, um, just to make sure that people aren't getting in there and ripping them off. Now, this seems to be a string of cannabis deals that's struck by this company over the past 18 months. Uh, you, you know, kudos to the growth op because they've been untangling uh, this billionaire's string of multi-million dollar investments. And they include companies like Speakeasy in Rock Creek, which has a 10,000 square foot Health Canada licensed grow operation uh, and a 60 acre outdoor operation. They're going to be producing 70,000 kilograms of cannabis this year. Now, Bazam's chief marketing officer, Jordan Winnett, he told the growth op that, uh, that this Kuwaiti billionaire prefers to stay out of the story, uh, so we likely won't be hearing too much from him. But it does make you wonder how many different people are involved in the cannabis industry as you know, quiet investors or behind the scenes that we just wouldn't think about. Yeah, this is a it's a it's a fascinating story how they've laid this out about the uh, the fencing uh, going up right away and and that eighteen percent stock they paid they bought four point eight five million dollars so it it sounds like there could be a silent power player in the cannabis industry and you're right you you wonder if there are more or. Will this inspire more people to go in and try to be a little bit anonymous? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, it's really, really worth the read to go out and seek it out on the growth up. And we've seen investments into cannabis and players in cannabis that uh, you know, have raised our eyebrows, most certainly. People who have fought for a long time um, to put people in jail mm-hmm. for simple possession. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see. Uh, we're talking about normalization. Uh, in the U.S., and as that uh, as that market starts to open up, I mean, you're just going to start to see more big money flowing into this industry. And uh, I, for one, am really hoping that we continue to see a strong representation from the smaller players 
Uh, and especially as we start to get some of those legacy market players, growers into the legal market, because, you know, big money, I guess it has its place, but we certainly don't want to see the takeover like we have with other industries. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Um, we have talked in the past on this segment about, you know, um, you know what Joe Biden's uh, nomination meant uh, for uh, the legal cannabis movement in the U.S. And, and this is a story about uh, the Democratic Party, uh, their delegates rejecting marijuana legalization, uh, reject marijuana legalization amendment to the 2020 policy platform. What does this mean in the big picture? Well, when we saw Joe Biden get that nomination, uh, it was a bit disappointing for, well, maybe even a lot disappointing for people who want to see legalization of cannabis in the U.S. He was one of the least friendly toward our happy plant. Um, and it looks like his policies are really going through. Maybe he's not alone in the Democratic Party. We thought that they were uh, maybe the more progressive of the two, but we'll have to see. You know, like I mentioned earlier, there's some real confusing state-by-state laws, department-by-department laws, uh, and it looks like they're going to be standing uh, for a little longer in the U.S. You know, the Democratic National Committee, their platform committee, did reject an amendment this week that calls on the party to support cannabis legalization as a 2020 policy plank. Um, could have been a real, uh, you know, a real big game changer, and it was predicted, in fact, that by um, can by Canopy Growth CEO that we're going to see legalization, um, if not this time around, then within the next four or five years. So we'll see what comes to bear with that. Now, there were a number of delegates who argued in favor of legalization. They're saying that ending the war on drugs will resolve racial uh, inequities and stimulate the, the economy. Um, it, unfortunately, that measure was shot down uh, in a hundred and six to fifty votes, mm-hmm. so it was it wasn't even close. Um, the panel instead decided to keep the language um, that included that was included in a draft platform released last week, and that calls for decriminalization of cannabis possession, uh, automatic expungements of prior marijuana convictions, and federal rescheduling through executive action. Uh, legalizing medical cannabis and allowing states to set their own laws. So it is it is absolutely headed in the right direction, uh, but it does stop short of endorsing adult use legalization. Uh, now, an interesting note here, uh, when we're talking about racial inequities, when people of color in the U.S. are six times more likely to be arrested than others under the current cannabis criminalization policy. So decriminalization is absolutely called for the expungement of of these kinds of uh, convictions in the past is absolutely called for. And and we hope to see at least these kinds of moves um, being adopted going forward. 100%. Um, You know, it's just, it's unfortunate um, that sure you can say, okay, the states are going to be able to decide as they have, but until you get that blanket federal legal uh, statement or, or blanket across the country, um, co- companies in the U.S. aren't going to recognize it. Like, you cannot use apps 
on a, a Apple product for any vape or, or cannabis situation. Yeah. And that's because it's not federally legalized. People with uh, Facebook and Instagram accounts are constantly getting them taken down because it's not federally legal. Until that happens, a lot of this cannabis industry is held back. Absolutely. These U.S. policies do have a far-reaching impact even outside of the country. Um, and a lot of people have been seeing the uh, the Democrats in the U.S. as a very progressive party. It, it, it appears to me like they're going the, the wrong way. I mean, right. this measure was defeated, but it, it boggles my mind, being Canadian and proud of our healthcare system, that it actually received more favorable votes than a proposal for the party to support Medicare for all as part of its 2020 platform. So, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on in the States, but uh, really hope that they start to, to take care of their own people. No doubt. All right, let's wrap up with a conversation about uh, cannabis brands and uh, consumers. Yeah, this is a fascinating study. It's a new report that comes out from the Brightfield Group. And it, it says that the Canadian market's really experiencing a turning point. Uh, for a long time there, the industry was all about trying to get investment, money, trying to grow. Um, and that, that kind of growth, being the biggest, the biggest dog in the pen, just wasn't turning into consumer loyalty. So licensed producers are now starting to create, promote brands that are aimed at specific consumers. So this study broke it down into uh, different types of consumers, uh, and that includes typical stoners, the stressed-out millennials, the microdosing mamas, and newbies. I think that the, the names are completely ridiculous. Um, but, uh, you know, on another level, they do actually tell you the kinds of sex that they're starting to break down to. And what they found was that uh, good supply, for example, really appeals to the typical stoner of the stressed-out millennials. It's uh, budget-friendly, and uh, it's fun, colorful branding. Then you've got Canica. Canica seems to apply to, to uh, newbies. It appeals to newbies, to typical stoners and stressed-out millennials. Um, you know, they have formats like uh, e pre-rolls and disposable vapes, and they're generally pretty accessible to newcomers. And they have a brands like Alcevi. And so these are the types of brands that seem to apply to what they call micro-dosing mamas. And that tends to be the premium flower with high CBD strains uh, and often accompanied by uplifting messages, um, you know, to awaken or to live in the now. I find this fascinating that these brands can start to actually differentiate themselves, even among the, the very strict and highly regulated environment that we have when it comes to marketing. Uh, I love these studies. I'm always fascinated by this research. It takes into account the data from 3,000 Canadian cannabis users it was collected in the spring and generally balanced uh, in age, gender, and geography. Now, my, my only qualm with this is that I wish they had it dug a little bit deeper and looked into some, uh, some of the other big brands. Um, you know, the other thing that they did find, too, which probably comes as no surprise, is that, uh, that budget brands are really taking off and tend to appeal very much to uh, what they call the typical stoner or the stressed out millennials. So generally people who are looking for uh, quantity will go to the budget brand. Um, so overall, really interesting research. And uh, this Brightfield group has started to come out with, uh, with a few studies now that are worth watching. 
Yeah, well, it's not surprising to hear that the, uh, the the kind of the budget type cannabis brands are the ones that are taking off. I mean, um, most of the population can't afford to go out and spend, uh, you know, 70, 80 bucks on their, uh, you know, cannabis, whatever, it's three and a half grams. And, you know, it's great when you can afford to do that, but most of the population can't. So most of the population, you know, there's a reason that like, Coors Light is one of the uh, better selling beers because it's uh, a, a very cheap option uh, that is available. But here's what here's the one thing that I have noticed, and I think this is a way that you know brands can stand out. Don't make your packaging a white tub. I mean, because everything is almost a white tub. Like I, I look, I got some uh, Simply Bear uh, Organic the other day, an orange tub. It stood out. Not that I, I buy my cannabis based on color, but what I'm saying is that when the customer comes in and they're looking at the all the jars and the options and one of them is a different color than the other, they're going to take a look at that a little bit more. Uh, Green Organic Dutchman has a little bit of a different. So there's things you can do with your packaging that allows you to stand out among all the other brands that look the same. Absolutely. I, and I think another takeaway from this is that companies who seem to be succeeding in market segmentation tend to focus in on one type of person. Um, you know, whereas you look at a, a company like Canopy Growth and Tweet, and, it, it, you know, they've self-admitted that it's impossible to go after everyone everywhere in every product. So even, even Canopy is looking at trying to be best in certain areas to be first in certain markets, uh, and and that's the way it's got to be. You can't be everything to anyone, and the old adage goes, a friend to all is a friend to none. Well said, David. Uh, thank you once again for joining me on This Week in Cannabis News. You can find all the cannabis news you need at okanaganz.com slash OZ, and uh, follow them on Twitter at okanaganz and at Wiley Writer. Enjoy the sunshine, David. We'll chat next week. You too, my friend. Great to talk to you. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. mentioned earlier that we'll be on location at spirit leaf argyle this tuesday for uh, the spirit leaf bus tour uh where they're going to have a, a whole bunch of different lps on hand we'll also be on location at the cannabis and hemp expo october 3rd and 4th at the edmonton expo center you can get more information and tickets at cannabis but we'll be there with the booth We'll be interviewing um, other people that are showcasing their wares and you. We should have some tickets to give away as we get closer to the date as well. So keep it locked on here and check out more information at CannabisHempExpo.com. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your stoner. <laughs> and beyond. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe 
Today's cannabis character is Donna Pinciotti, uh, portrayed by Laura Prepon from That 70s Show. Uh, for me, she was uh, one of the coolest characters on that program. E- easily, for me, the coolest female character. Uh, I mean, you had Jackie, who was just annoying. Uh, then there was, I guess, Lori, uh, the uh, Eric's sister, who was just a uh, kind of a, a dumb bimbo character. Uh, which, you know, younger me probably liked a lot. Uh, but you get older and you just appreciate a cool woman. And that's what Donna was. Um, she was, she should have been featured more in the circle is what should have happened uh, when they were all sitting around. But, you know, I, 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 to be honest, I phased out of this show uh, as it left. And, you know, Eric, when Eric was leaving the show and different things and like, you know what? They jumped the shark when Eric left. You just don't continue shows after uh, the main guy leaves. It just It's not going to end well. I know people try to do it, but I phased out. But when I was watching the show, I loved her laugh. Uh, I really thought that was great. And uh, she was just hilarious. This is the, the one scene that I thought was maybe her funniest uh, when she was in the circle. Oh, my God. I can feel like all the molecules in my body. I'm going to count them. One, two, three, eighteen, nineteen. I have the biggest hands in the world. Damn it. One. Hey, Kelso, Jackie's Jackie's my friend. And you're shallow and pathetic. And you know what else? My hands are huge. They're like boxing gloves. I am the greatest. Okay, champ, whatever you do. Uh, She just decked Foreman at the end of that clip. So there's a little bit from uh, Donna Pinciotti after uh, hanging out in the uh, joint shirt, uh, circle that they had in Eric Foreman's basement. It really was uh, a funny show. Uh, for a time, um, some of the actors that were in it, uh, you know, have uh, been alleged to do some uh, terrible things um, in real life. So that's unfortunate. And uh, the one guy, Fez, that was on that show. I remember him on a as Valder Valderrama. Danny Masterson is the guy who's been uh, accused of uh, sexual, a lot of uh, sexual assault, un- unfortunately. Uh, but that, that Fez character, Valder Valderrama, he was on Howard Stern one time talking about a bunch of women that he slept with and they all denied it. So some strange things going on with uh, some of the actors uh, that were involved in that program. I've yet to watch Orange is the New Black, but Laura Prepon had a big role in that from what I'm told. So I'll have to check that out. But I really liked uh, the character that she portrayed on that 70s show. Laura Prepon as Donna Pinciotti from that 70s show. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator.
What's That Strain? Once again, featuring Chris Ionson of Nova Cannabis, our educator here on the Cannabis 101 podcast as we are deep into episode 57. Chris, welcome back to the studio. We've had the technical aspects fixed. We can do it face-to-face as opposed to over mm-hmm. the phone last week. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. Not yeah. a problem. I'm excited about the, this one. Um, I I always get excited um, when I see the words OG because uh, I just think that means uh, like, uh, well, I used to think that was original gangster, <laughs> but now I, I know there's a real, and we'll get into that in a second, but we're doing San Fernando Valley OG Kush by Simply Bear organic it's an indica dominant hybrid so before we get into uh, sfv og kush let's talk about simply bear organic yeah definitely so uh simply bear organics is is the recreational line uh underneath uh, rubicon organics so that's the but the parent company uh Rubic- rubicon organics uh, was co-founded by jesse mcconnell and peter doig uh in tw- uh, 2015 due to the lack of high quality organic cannabis in the medical market. And both these guys kind of have a, a real cool backgrounds to them. Uh, they both come from the Whistler Medical Marijuana Corporation, mm. which is some um, very, very, very high-end stuff that we see in the rec very market. Very well respected, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Their pre-rolls are, are amazing. Uh, their flower, too, is is real nice. So uh, Jesse McConnell, he was one of the co-founders of the Whistler Group, um, which was purchased by Aurora for $175 million, um, a few years ago. Uh, he got involved with cannabis in the early 2000s when a close relative became ill and there was a lack of high-quality organic cannabis available mm. for med- medicinal use. So, uh, you know, after seeing a, you know, a relative, uh, you know, deal with, deal with uh, some things, uh, yeah, I, I kind of appreciate that. I think that's pretty... Yeah, it, it, it's, it, you know, it definitely shows that there was something other than dollar signs for yeah. the reason that this person got into this, right? There was a, uh, a very personal cause and some passion to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I like that you said like the the dollar sign thing because mm. that's something that I I totally feel like in the in this industry, uh, you know, I've encountered people who it seems that they're they're in the cannabis industry just to you know collect a paycheck quick or buck, yeah, yeah, quick buck. It's you know it's it's hot right now, so uh, you know I'm gonna open up a cannabis store even though I um, I don't consume it regularly or you know. Um, so I, I do feel like whenever I see like a CEO that, uh, uh, mm-hmm. of a company that I can tell smokes or has uh, a personal attachment or background yeah. or reason for it. Yeah. It's versus, Oh, I'm going to make some, some cash. So that's mm-hmm. great. Uh, so way to go, Jesse McConnell. Um, and then, uh, let's talk about Peter Doig. Uh, he was also with, uh, uh, Whistler as well. And, and he had overseen and written standards in organic cultivations, uh, for a range of fruits and vegetables at previous jobs. So, um, definitely a, a big part of that organic side. Um, yeah. And, and together they started, uh, you know, this, this company in 2015, they're only one of six organic certified LPs in Canada. Wow. Yeah, um, and Rubicon also has a, a multi-year deal with a, with a German cannabis distributor, so uh, they've got access to that fast-growing German medical cannabis market. And that European can- medical cannabis market is exploding right now. Yes, big time it is. So um, yeah, it's a matter of time before we start seeing you know countries out there uh, you know legalize it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, 
it's it's cool though. Sim Simply Bear was created uh, in December of 2019 uh, under the Rubicon umbrella as mm -hmm. like a, a super premium organic cannabis provider. And they are, um, yeah. I, I, yeah, like these, these pre-rolls, uh, they hit hard, they slap. Uh, I also got their sour cookies, uh, when it first came out, I got an eighth of that and uh, tremendous looking bud, uh, really, really high end stuff. Very crystally, very terpy. Um, so really nice. Do they have a, a BC organic, uh, Congo? Yeah, they've got a, a Creek Congo. Creek Congo, yeah. yeah. I have had some of that, and that was uh, delicious too. And 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 I, I really like the packaging that they come with Ooh. the non-pre-rolls, right? It's not the, the typical plastic. Yeah, yeah, it's like a nice glass yeah. glass case, and it's like kind of orange. It's I kind really of, like the color. Really, you know what? In a world where it's hard to stand out, yeah, it stands out. It's it absolutely stands out. In my deli case, yeah. uh, you can tell where the simply bear is. Totally, if you're you know what you're looking for. So yeah. that's that's great. Yeah, good stuff. And and so yeah, these are in pre rolls that we have, but yeah. know that the bud that they the flower that they put out is really primo. When you look at it, it's yeah. good. So yeah, that, that's good sure. to hear. Yeah, and so uh, the uh, Simply Bear, they, they grow out of a 125,000 square foot facility uh, on, on 20 acres in the Fraser Valley in Delta, BC. Uh, real legendary place for growing cannabis. Um, and uh, th that, that facility's got an expected production of, of 11,000 kilograms a year. Wow. So it's quite a, quite a lot of bud. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, they got their... Uh, Growing license in February of, of 2019 uh, for these the Simply Bear, uh, and then followed they followed by uh, the FVOPA certification, uh, and that's for the Fraser Valley Organic mm -hmm. Producers Association. So um, just adding a little bit of stamp, like it's on their packaging. Uh, this is certified organic product. So there are a lot of people that um, kind of call themselves organic. Because mm -hmm. it's very trendy right now to be organic. Whether you're in food production or cannabis, the word organic carries a lot of weight. So when you see somebody is organic, do some checking to make sure that company is. These guys have like triple stamped organic, oh, basically. Yeah. Like uh, have, to have no stamp backs here. <laughs> yeah, very much so. It's a very clean organic bud that they're growing. Yeah. And, uh, and how do they grow it? Yeah, so all, all their plants are grown in organic, uh, hand-mixed living soil. Um, and living soil is a, a community of organisms that work together to break down organic matter and providing nutrition to the plants. Mm -hmm. um, some of the ingredients used at the Simply Bear, uh, like within their living soil, is uh, Douglas fir bark, uh, worm castings. Kelp. Which is worm poop, basically. Yeah, you know, for for <laughs> those that aren't there, but it's it's the, the you know the best thing out there for yeah, that's uh, what you want that in, your, in yeah. your soil for yeah. sure. It's you know good for the plants. Uh, kelp and, and fish meal too. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of wrap wrap it up there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. They, they've they've really kind of gone after this premium organic uh, sense, and they're killing it. They've they've really hit the mark with uh, everything that I've seen, and their stuff is selling really well too. Oh, that's, that is uh, so good to hear. So that's a little bit about uh, the uh, producer, uh, Simply Bear Organic. And again, uh, check out their flower. I'm dying to, I've been holding this pre-roll this whole time. I can't <laughs> wait to get it going. So let's talk about San Fernando Valley OG Kush. Um, you know, the, the San Fernando uh, Valley is, uh, it's a very, uh, I think it's a very well-known place uh, in, in kind of like the history. Um, when it comes to cannabis, 
This is a classic. Can you explain the, the, the two letters, though, that people sometimes get confused with in OG? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the, the OGs uh, in OG Kush, um, you know, originally I think people were saying that it was uh, original gangster, right. uh, as well as people, uh, the term ocean grown has also come up uh, as right. well, uh, being, you know, a lot of cannabis is, is grown near the ocean. Uh, but, uh, you know, as we will find out here, uh, and we're going we're gonna to touch on, on Josh D, uh, he's uh, the creator of OG Kush. Uh, him and his friends, uh, they, they meant uh, for the OG to stand for original because it was their original Kush that, okay. that they had grown. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's pre pretty badass, man. Uh, OG Kush is a classic. Yeah. So let's talk about that um, as far as, you know, when, when we talk, like we did Granddaddy Purple. That's a pretty uh, well-known strain out there. This OG Kush, an OG Kush, that is like when when people start talking about like way back legendary strains, OG Kush comes up a lot. Yeah, it does. It's uh, you know it's the genetic backbone of a lot of West Coast cannabis strains. Uh, there's so many different phenotypes of, of OG Kush too. Uh, you know that have been around with desirable traits, uh, and they've gone on to be bred into other legendary strains yeah. like uh, like Pink Kush, Critical Kush, Girl Scout Cookies. Um, there's also a bunch of OG phenotypes that are out there like ghost OG, Tahoe OG. I've had Tahoe. It's really good. It is right. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really nice one. And yeah. then, and then of course there's the San Fernando Valley OG. Um, now the San Fernando Valley OG Kush is, is a cut of OG Kush that was passed around within the San Fernando Valley. Um, the Cali connection, uh, that's a, a group of breeders, uh, in Cali. Uh, one of their breeders by the name of Swerve, <laughs> uh, he had taken an OG cut and he'd crossed it with an Afghan number one, which is across the two land wow. raised Afghani strains. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he really kind of like fine tuned it into getting that, that San Fernando Valley OG Kush. So, uh, props to Swerve. Nice. For, Good job, uh, Swerve. Yeah. At a boy. Um, but, uh, if we want to get into like, you know, the, the real kind of history of, of the OG Kush, um, that started in, in Florida in the early 1990s. Uh, when Matt Bubba Berger uh, created a strain using a Northern Lights cut that he would name uh, Kryptonite. Uh, it also went by the name Crippy, Supernaut. <laughs> Supernaut, I love that. Yeah, and uh, according to legend, Crippy uh, ended up turning into, turning into Kush. Uh, because uh, Berger, Ber Berger's friends, uh, Berger's friends were, uh, they were calling it Kushberries because of its colorful, dense, and round nuggets. Hmm. Um and it really, uh, so they're saying uh, the name is, is a sheer coincidence to the Hindu Kush Mountains. Right. Uh, which is something that I, I, I learned just recently because I had always assumed that uh, the name Kush came from, you know, the, I've, I've always known about the Hindu Kush Mountains, mm -hmm. that cannabis was uh, found up there. But uh, according to this legend uh, with Matt Berger and his boys, um, they just named it because it's uh, Kushberries. Um, and so Bubba drove... Uh, Drove from Florida to Cali. He brought uh, his plants with him. Um, it wasn't until uh, he got a cutting of his, his kush uh, into the hands of California cannabis legend Josh D. Or Josh Del Rosso uh, that the OG kush really took off. And uh, Josh D. shared cuts with the OG um, as well as cultivating knowledge with his friends and other growers. Uh, all over the world and kind of spread the, the OG Kush all over the world. And, and then we started seeing uh, different variations of it, uh, which is really cool. Um, in, 
in Forbes magazine uh, in two, 2018, uh, Josh D did an interview with them. Uh, here's what he had to say about uh, the name OG Kush, mm-hmm. which we kind of touched on, but I just th- I thought this was a cool quote. Uh, so we, cho- we chose the name OG Kush because of the aroma coming off the plant, the greasy, oily trichomes that shine like diamonds. <laughs> the teardrop triangle-shaped nugs have a very low leaf to calyx ratio with a short flowering cycle. OG stands for original, so original Kush. It was meant to designate that this specific Kush was grown by our crew in a specific way. So, yeah, I, I think that's pretty cool, uh, you know, hearing it from, from the guy himself, yeah. uh, the and legend. So, I mean, it, with the help of, you know, Mad Bubba Berger, you know, played a role in, in the OG Kush, but we're, we're going to say that the, you know, the grandfather of OG Kush is, is Josh D there. And I, and I just love how crew uh, grown by our crew in a specific way. It really personalized yeah. what this cannabis was to them. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it, then it's also funny to see that there's been so many variations yeah. of OG Kush, which which uh, he's happy with. I think he's happy to see it kind of grow and become such a global strain. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, you can check out their website uh, when we talk about uh, uh, the Simply Bear Organic. It's uh, simplybear.com, and it's not just a name. Uh, you know, their website is simple. Mm-hmm. It's it's there. They have, you know, their story, their products. There's not a lot of gadgets and bells and whistles. Yeah. And you know what? It fits with the name and the product, doesn't it? It just, like, you would, yeah. it, it would seem weird if you went there and a guy with a guitar popped up and, you know, like, all these <laughs> things going on. Like, it'd be like, wait, that's not Bear. This is simply yeah. Bear. Yeah, I was a big fan of the aesthetics of the site. I yeah. thought it just it looked nice. It was easy on the eyes. Yeah. The colors are nice. Totally. Uh, New, very neutral and, yeah. and just it's there. Yeah, and I also found, too, uh, all the information I was looking for was there. So uh, well done on the website, for yeah. sure. Bravo. Uh, and and it, it would be weird if there was a lot of bells and whistles going on <laughs> at a website at uh, Simply Bear. So uh, check that out. Uh, once again, that's www.simplybear.com. Calm. Uh, THC and uh, CBD that we're looking at uh, with uh, this one here, 22%. Uh, yeah. We're starting to see some pre-rolls like this creep up there, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Definitely we are. Um, yeah, this is 22%. So it's, uh, I'm going to say that's kind of a, h- a higher range on the, <laughs> yeah, on the that's THC. That's the level three, right? Yeah, that is a level three. <laughs> we're going to get into the, uh, the effects and, and your personal experience with this. Uh, in a little bit. So we kind of covered the name a little bit. It's, you know, San Fernando Valley. It's, you know, the area that it's in, uh, it's sometimes shortened to SFV, but that's not be for any kind of legal situations. Like we've seen Girl Scout cookies has to be called GSC, things like that. Yeah. This is just just an abbreviation, just like a nickname almost for it to, to shorten it, right? Yeah, it's just short term. Uh, you know, I think uh, stoners don't want to have to write down San Fernando Valley. All right, uh, yeah, SFV yeah. is a lot easier. <laughs> um, I, I always remind when I hear San Fernando Valley in like 1981, Fernando Venezuela took the Major League Baseball by storm as a Dodger, as a young Mm-hmm. Uh, Mexican player and people would take uh, t-shirts that said I'm from San Fernando or, or I'm uh, whatever and cover out the San and just have the Fernando <laughs> because Fernando Venezuela from he took it by storms so at all whenever I think San Fernando Valley I think of a great uh, Mexican Dodger pitcher so anyway uh, back to the actual uh, story that we're talking about we talked about the name let's talk about the look uh, this pre we, we discussed earlier when you get their flower it's good this pre-roll looks tight. 
Yeah, it it well done on the rolls. Um, it's a longer ha half gram roll too. Longer, skinnier, right? Longer, skinnier, yeah, which I prefer to the short fatty. Yeah. So we've seen some really long skinny ones. This is kind of like in between the yeah. the short fat and the long skinny. You know what this is? Do you ever play ice hockey on Nintendo? Uh -huh. You just had the four guys. Yeah. You had the big guy with the slap shot, the real skinny guy that was fast. Then you had the middle guy. Yeah. That never, you know, the skinny guy was fast, but he got knocked off the puck. The big guy was slow. You always went with two middle guys. This is like the middle yeah. guy in ice hockey. It's the perfect <laughs> uh, blend of the long skinny and the short fat. And yeah. it looks tight. Yeah. Yeah. Really well done. Like um, you're not, you're not uh, bending it and moving it. Yeah. 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 It's a nice long filter too. Um, totally. Yeah, big fan of uh, of these pre-rolls, uh, for sure. What do you smell? So the smell for me uh, is definitely gassy. Yeah, like I was going to say like a diesel kind yeah, of a smell, Yeah, right? it is a gassy smell for sure. Uh, and earthy as well. Um, when, when I was smelling the like the jar of the, the pre-rolls too, I, I kind of noticed like a, a hint of citrus to it as well. Okay, yeah. Definitely uh, get the gassy though right off. Like that's what jumps yeah. off the page. <laughs> um, how about t uh, terpenes? Um we're, we're, first of all, can you, uh, for any new listeners, we haven't done this in a while, but yeah. for some newcomers, just give us a rundown of what a terpene is. Yeah. So, uh, terpenes are aromatic oils that secrete from the cannabis glands. Uh, and they're going to provide, uh, you know, an, an aroma and a flavor to your cannabis. Um, so, you know, there's ones like uh, limonene where it's going to provide a, a citrus kind of flavor and smell to your bud. Um, but there's also uh, effects that go with terpenes too. Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of varies and everyone does react differently to cannabis and right. to terpenes. Um, but uh, what we call the, there's the entourage effect and that's a very important part to cannabis. And that's, that's the combination of your THC content, your CBD content and your terpenes. And those three things put together is going to kind of equal the desired effect. And so terpenes are a very big thing. A lot of people, you know, don't come in shopping for terpenes. Hopefully in a couple of years, the yeah. industry changes a bit and we do find people. I mean, it's, it's occasionally I'll, I'll, I've had people come in saying, uh, I'm looking for strains with stereophylline. Eh? I do. I do for sure. Uh, and we'll, you know, we'll look, we'll deep dive and, and try and get them all the options and, and really talk about them. Cause oh, I think it's great awesome. when people are talking. So if you guys don't know what terpenes are, uh, look into them, Google them, uh, leaf ask got, your butt tender. Yeah. Ask your butt tender for sure. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of info you can get online too. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the terpenes that are in this uh, specific strain, San Fernando Valley OG Kush. Yeah, so we've got kind of four four dominant terpenes here. Uh, the first one is limonene. Uh, as I mentioned, that's going to be kind of a citrusy, lemony uh, mm -hmm. flavor and smell. Uh, next up is myrcene, and that's kind of uh, an earthy, uh, clovey kind of a smell to it. Um, and t typically, you know, uh, with, with myrcene, there's a lot of like, I, I, I like to associate being couch locked with mercine, getting my chill sure. on with, with strains that are heavy in, in mercine. Um, the caryophylline is, is up there too. I know that's your fave. Yeah. It has, it has a nice peppery, spicy taste. Yeah. It, it just, it just, for me, what it does, you know why I like it is because it's noticeable. Yeah. It's like, uh, like somebody's like, uh, give me a nice bucket of water on my face. Cause it's just like, holy, it just jumped out of me. Some of the other ones I find a little bit more subtle, but when you get something with some spice in it, I notice it anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's what sure. I love about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, caryophyllene's great. Uh, and then the, the last terpene uh, in there is pinene. Uh, and pinene is a cool one. That's, it might be one of one of my favorite ones, actually, Dean. Um, 
because it, it, it's going to provide that kind of piney, kind of woodsy mm-hmm. smell and flavor. Um, but uh, I, I've just noticed there, and there's a lot of heavy indicas that I've really been a fan of, uh, like kosher kush, um, the, the, where the piney's presence, like, I, I just enjoy it. I, lo- I love how I feel on, on strains mm-hmm. that are higher in pining. So uh, definitely a nice one. All right. So uh, you mentioned it earlier. Everybody does react differently, but there are some general desired effects that when you can look at the terpene uh, profile, uh, when you've experienced it yourself, when you can talk to other people, what are the kind of the general desired effects for uh, San Fernando Valley OG Kush? Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's pretty balanced. Uh, you know, there there's a lot of head stuff and a lot of body stuff when you when you consume the SFVOG. Um, it starts swiftly in the head, definitely. Like as you're smoking it, I I start to kind of feel things. I feel that euphoria. I feel kind of some fun things happening up there, um, and, and it's a nice cerebral buzz. Uh, and then it's followed by a full body numbing, uh, which just feels great. Uh, depending on where you're at in the day, you might hit the couch mm-hmm. and, and take a nap or really just, you know, melt into the couch. Um, can expect munchies to follow. All right. I definitely got my munchies on when I was smoking mine and, uh, definitely stimulating conversations too. I, I was on the phone, uh, and just, yeah, things got a little wild and, and funny on, on, awesome. on that call. So yeah, definitely, definitely a fun strain. All right. So, uh, we like to do the three W's to point out to people, uh, who, what, and when this strain is good for. So let's start with the who I'm guessing with the THC level, this is not going to be a beginner and, and probably not a level two. Yeah, no, you're right. It's not for beginners. Um, and yeah, not for level two. I think yeah, 2.5 or higher. Like if you've been, you know, in the level two for a while and you're looking to step it up, uh, I think this would be a great choice. Okay. Uh, but it definitely is. It's got some kick. Uh, and, and that, that 22% THC, um, I don't know. So on, on one of the joints that I had, I, it felt like it was just punched a little bit higher, yeah. uh, you know, out of its weight class there. So, all right. What about the, what, uh, what it's good for, um, chilling movies, uh, video games, I think would be great. Uh, uh, social gatherings too. Like I think once, you know, this COVID stuff is, uh, settled down a bit. I think that, uh, some San Fernando Valley OG Kush would be great for, you know, hitting the barbecue with some pals. Um, yeah. Um, how about um, okay? I'm gonna do a little ra- water rafting trip. Do mm-hmm. you think this would relax me too much? Um, uh, do you think maybe mm, this isn't no. one that you want to do with sort of physical activity? This is one you want to do with a little bit more chill. I, I think like a chill physical activity. So I think like floating would be great for it. I don't know about playing a soccer game or you know going uh, for a bike ride. Yeah, or... going for a bike ride. Uh, okay. But I, I, I do think chilling on a raft uh, or just floating on a dinghy. That's what uh, I got planned. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say this is this would be great for that. All right. <laughs> I am going to go with that. Um, but you also talk about movies, video games, social gathering, which is a, a great thing. And we're starting to see, um, you know, this would be great if you guys uh, you had like a Zoom chat or FaceTime chat with some mm-hmm. friends, right? You know, yep. and you got to get that conversation. And as you mentioned, as we're starting to get back together um, this will be a good social strain. What about the uh, when? The when? Um, I think any time of the day uh, this OG works. Uh, I think it's pretty versatile. It's a, kind of more of like a set and setting uh, for me. So, uh, yeah, I found that, you know, at the end of my at like later in the evening, if I was a little tired, I'd smoke it and, okay, I'm, it's a little end of the dom. 
but I also found that like, hey, I'd smoke it and, you know, I want to go, um, I'm stepping out to grab some groceries, do, do some activities. I was still good with that too. So it just kind of, I think it depends where you're at during the day. So I like it. Uh, I'm definitely uh, getting the spice taste off this, the little hints of like, uh, you know, peppery uh, kicks. What else am I uh, tasting? What else should people expect when we talk mm -hmm. about the taste test? Uh, so for me, it's, I find it to be very cushy very gassy on, on the taste. Um, yeah. and also I, I found it to be very foresty. I think I made up a word foresty. Mm -hmm. Uh, now what foresty to me means is like, it's earthy, it's, it's piney and it's woodsy. That's kind the of piney and terpene, right? Yeah. And it's just, uh, that's, that's how it tasted to me though. It's kind of like, it reminded me of like being under a, a nice, uh, kind of redwood forest. Uh, you know, at dawn, um, it definitely has got, it's got some bite to it though. Yeah. Uh, I do notice, you know, it's, I can feel it as I'm puffing on it, but it's still, it's still a smooth smoke, which was nice. We talked about the smell being gassy. There's a definite gassy taste, like a, like a, not like, you know, like the, the diesels that you sometimes yeah. get out there. There's definitely that, like, I can always tell cause I get a, like a, just a certain taste in my throat when I have that gassy that it kind of sticks around a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. It's not unpleasant. That's what I'm not saying yeah. that, but it's very distinct. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's just uh that's one of the, the flavors of, of, of cannabis. You know, it's, uh, yeah. you know, we got citrusy stuff. We got fruity stuff. We got sour stuff. We got the gassy stuff, earthy, you know, it's, it's one of the, the flavors of cannabis. Definitely. Uh, mm -hmm. I am definitely digging this uh, San Fernando Valley OG Kush from Simply Bear Organic. Picked it up using Click and Collect at the Nova Cannabis location on uh, Jasper Ave. And, and that is something that, you know, has made things, made life so much easier for not just the customer, but you. The process is so simple, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's great. Uh, you know, we got the notifi notification goes off in store. Uh, my staff are really diligent about checking it um, quite quite a bit throughout the day. Um, yeah, we'll get the order prepped and ready. Um, we can also communicate with the customer too. There, there are times it's it's rare, but it'll happen where a customer will order something that just managed. It just right. happened to sell out. Uh, we're able to communicate with them and, and make a suggestion on a substitute. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, it's it's been really nice to to have that, and and then just having the orders still ready to go when the person does come in, um, just allows for people to be quicker in the store. Beautiful. All right, Chris, this has been a lot of fun. I uh, can't wait for my uh, raft uh, dinghy mm -hmm. float to, to have a little bit of uh, San Fernando Valley OG Kush from Simply Bear Organic. You can check them out online at www.simplybear.com. Use Click and Collect. Pick this up at your favorite Nova location. Thanks a lot, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. is the business of cannabis a joint venture between the green generation co and the cannabis 101 podcast bringing you the latest bud biz buzz Malcolm labelle from the green generation co joins me as usual for the business of cannabis you can find more information and find out how she can help you at www.greengencompany.com. Melka, how are you on your uh, continuing uh, West Coast trip? I'm great, Dean. Thank you. Calling you, uh, speaking to you from Vancouver today. Excellent. Uh, the beautiful city 
of uh, Vancouver, a short trip from one of my favorite places, uh, Vancouver Island. Uh, I think we should all get out to Vancouver Island every once in a while for our sanity. Yes. Definitely on. It's definitely on the destination path for sure. All right, so let's start off uh, with our uh, first topic of uh, discussion, and this is something that you caught in uh, the news cycle: a press release advertising illicit websites. Did your eyes like pop out of your head? Yeah, I, I can't claim that I saw it at the original source. This was actually from my good friend David Brown, uh, who publishes the StratCan. Uh, cannabis uh, news source, which I faithfully read. So he's the one that did the first expose on this just a couple of days ago. Um, and I saw it on his uh, feed and I'm like, holy crap. Um, this was an eye popper for sure. Um, there's so many things about this, of this that are so wrong and that need to be fixed like imminently for the sake of the, the population of Canada um, and all of the things that we've been talking about up till now, which is really how to really close the loop on the black market. Well, here's a way where they're just making their loophole bigger <laughs> and more credible. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so basically what happened was that this company or this web, this online illicit retailer called Blowout 420 has a very professional looking website, which is uh, not unlike many of the ones that I have seen uh, mm-hmm. that are still occurring to this day. And they uh, paid for a service, which is one that most companies that are uh, in the news would they're very well recognize, which is the Canadian Newswire. They have an offshoot called Sizian. I don't know if it's a new product line or what it is, but it's an, it's a newswire. So it's basically you write a press release and, and you subscribe to these, Newswire services that then amplify and send out these press releases to every establishment that has that reads press releases, which is like every newspaper and every you know real credible place or you know traditionally credible place to find real information. So it's almost like they're gaming a system here, and they put out this uh, news pre- uh, release that is talking about um, you know we're in the anniversary or it's it's. Since October 17, 2018, under the Cannabis Act, then marijuana becomes legal in Canada. Ordering weed online is easy and, of course, 100% within the legal Cannabis Act, which is just a blatant lie. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the headline is 100% not true, um, which is why it's so crazy uh, in the first place. Did you have a chance to look at this, yeah. uh, Dean, and, and see for yourself? What, what, yeah, like this is the, th- you, I think you made a really good point. And, and when I was at, uh, worked at Global Television and back when people used to fax stuff, we would get faxes of all kinds of things that would come in. And, and sometimes producers just rip and, and read or put it in and, oh, this is kind of a good story. And now television is a little bit different, but if you're working at a radio station, there's something that's called rip and read where basically you're trying to put a newscast together and you're just ripping stuff off that you printed and reading it, this could easily get out into the mainstream media. And and the one thing that you mentioned is that they make their websites look very professional and very legal, sometimes going to the point of actually using the logo that is on legal cannabis. And so you have to really, like some of these people do a really good job of making you think they are legal. That's exactly their intention. Like they're literally, they're taking advantage of the fact that 
the general public has no friggin' clue what is a legal product and what isn't and where it comes from and where it doesn't come from. And they're ca- they're capitalizing on it. That's exactly what they're doing. And they're very well funded because their products command a good price on a very low cost to operate e-commerce model. Mm-hmm. And they don't have regulations to adhere to. So or taxes. Like exactly. So it's like, you know what, they're but the funny thing is is even the tax situation is confusing. A lot of these businesses operate paying GST because they don't have to necessarily disclose their GST number. Like no one's checking right. on their website where it adds in your GST or even your PST. You know, that's something you do as a, as a business owner. And even CRA, like when you register for a GST number, and I happen to know because I just went through this process, you know, it's kind of onerous to, to set up a GST number, but every business has to have one. So even if you're running, you know, any kind of e-commerce, it doesn't matter what, what you're the product you're selling, any kind of business can have a, a GST number that doesn't indicate anything about the legality of cannabis around it. So it's like they can still look and feel and pay taxes and do all of the normal things that a regular e-commerce site does and even put out headlines like this that they are ordering weed online is as easy as, you know, just going to an e-commerce site when the truth is going to an e-commerce site is not legal in Canada for, for buying uh, cannabis online. Mm-hmm. The only places that you can actually buy cannabis online in Canada is from the provincial regulator, regulator in the middle, like the Alberta Cannabis Store or the Ontario Cannabis Store. They're the only ones that are allowed to sell cannabis online um, and deliver it to your door. And they're, the only caveat to that is if you have a medical prescription, then you can be set up with a licensed producer and only order from that one licensed producer site. So unless you're not informed, like, and, and they're literally capitalizing on this that people wouldn't know the difference, they're simply just putting out an ad to a very common, well-established, credible source of news and hoping that no one notices that these details are not looked at. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and one thing, the the Newswire, uh, they need to be, do a better job of, of obviously screening but do you know for me the one issue that could clear up a lot of the confusion on who is legal and who isn't legal is maybe some advertising because if you see a commercial for cannabis then you know that that cannabis is going to be a legal product if you're watching the oilers and the flames or something and instead of a budweiser commercial a cannabis commercial well you know that company is legal. And maybe, how about some advertisements saying, don't buy from online sites, they're not legal. Like, how about that? How about just exactly. some, some information advertisements from the federal government about what is and isn't legal? Great point. And, you know, I actually saw there was one ad that did come out. It was it was a Drive Alive commercial. So it's a, it's a special interest group, right? Because their whole agenda is about, you know, be safe, drive alive or whatever, whatever uh, their main mantra is. So they actually put out a really good a TV commercial that I saw actually while I was in BC where they had um, the Rob, uh, Rob something. He's one of those chefs from uh, from the Food Network. He said he saw that bar, back, backyard barbecue uh, mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. on the on the Food Network. So he's the, he's like pretending to start this cooking class with cannabis. So the, it looks like he's he's about to start a, uh, like a cooking cooking segment, or and there's people there, and they're they're going to learn about cooking with cannabis. And the first thing he does is, which is the whole point, is 
gets everyone's keys, put them in a bowl, and then have there's a, a slide or a page that comes up that says, make sure that if you're going to consume cannabis, even if you're going to eat with it, you have a safe way home, you have um, a taxi ride or something to keep up, or you're going to stay overnight. So that was the that was the public interest commercial funded by the groups that are wanting you to drive safely, right? Mm. But the whole point about who is doing and creating this content for co- public consumption, you're right, it should be government. But government um, is almost like it's, it's, a, it's this weird thing is they basically made it so that they're the only ones that can make these kinds of announcements because nobody else can get paid to do it except for people like us who are the or sort of the intermediaries but we're not allowed to promote any particular product. So it comes out of our own pocket and our own expense and risk to, to whistleblow on these illegal actors. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's so, so funny, you. the whole idea of, you know, we want to keep uh, cannabis out of the hands of kids, which I totally agree on. And that's why everything is hidden so much with cannabis. But they're doing such a good job of hiding it from kids. They're hiding it from adults and, and people are exactly. are so confused. So um, I don't know, we, yeah. we could do 20 minutes on just uh, that topic alone, but we should uh, move on to change makers. And uh, I want to know who you're shining the spotlight on this week when it comes to change makers. Yeah, so I wanted to do sort of a deep dive to, uh, into more retail uh, stores. So the legal places to buy cannabis, which they cannot advertise. They right. really have no ability to advertise or talk about their amazing store concepts and what they're doing. So here's the chance for, for me to shout out to them. that I, I There's one that I saw. Um, it's called Supret. Supret is uh, they're based in Ontario. Um, they have the one store open already in Ottawa, and they just opened a second one in Toronto on Young Street. So very... Um, well-known part of, of Toronto and uh, Ontario is, you know, the famous Young Street, the longest street in Canada. Um, and they're opening sort of three more stores in the Toronto area. So I saw like a, um, they had a, a tour of the store and everything. And you know what? I love this store because it didn't look like anything I've ever seen before, not just from a cannabis store, but from any store. Um, it was really, it had the whole feel of like a kid in a candy store, almost like a flower shop. Mm. It had like a flower shop motif. So it was super colorful, super bright. And they actually did have flowers, but they were, um, I think they were fake flowers. I don't think it was real flowers, but it was just the way it was all done up was it literally looked like, you know, like a fresh flower shop, um, and, and just behind the glass, uh, pr- product that really like made it feel like it was so fun to be in there. The whole environment was super exciting and, uh, and just bright and, and, and fun. A different, it was a different feel than any sort of store that I've really seen yet. Well, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's, we just talked about the uh, lack of uh, opportunities to tell people, you know, about your store um, you, you, you're relying on word of mouth and, you know, whatever else that you're legally allowed to do. But once they get in the store, that's on you, right? Like that is where you become the reason that they come back or your employee or your layout or whatever it is. Once they're inside those doors, that's where you have the control to hopefully get them to come back. Yeah, and not just come back, but tell other people about them. I mean, the whole concept here is a virality word of mouth and ex- extremely uh, memorable because it is so like fun and interesting and their whole concept and i think and talking to the owners it sounds like they're thinking about the whole retail experience and the whole like retail 
experiential experience, like not just going to the store and buying something, but this is this has been a trend in retail for a few years where it's all about how much excitement and delight and enjoyment and making the, the customer-centered experience really prevail so that they talk about it and share and amplify in their channels. That's what I think they're trying to go for here, and I think that's fantastic. Um, especially in this day and age where retail has sort of been this scary world with COVID. You know, we don't know what you can go into and how long you can stay and all that stuff. So I think by going back to the basics of really trying to attract and delight the customer that they can then tell a story about what they experienced to come back themselves or others will come as well, um, as, along with the staff who are educated and have the products readily available, that's what's going to stand apart for Suprat, and I'm excited to see them carry it out. You can find more information at www.suppretshop.com. And for a lot of people, uh, going to the cannabis store is maybe a once a week or twice a month or maybe even once a month sort of event. So for, for them, it might be a cool, uh, almost like an, an outing, and, and you get to experience. And, and that's what uh, it seems like they're trying to create is that cannabis shopping experience that makes you come back and bring a friend uh when you do okay let's check out what it means to be green and uh the quote the grass is always greener on the other side is on the forefront of this topic yeah so i mean sort of taking us back to the first topic that we had i, I really wanted to to highlight why i think this is still going on in the illicit market and what it, what i mean that the grass is greener is it's better on the other side. So what's better, you know, really, this is a very old cliche that can mean lots of things depending on the conversation it's in. But this is, in my opinion, the leading reason as to why the illicit market is still operating stronger than ever. And this is not just for me thinking about this. This has been talking to lots of people that are in this space of trying to move things over to the legal side and trying coming up against the same objections and, and the reasoning why, the, the operators are still operating in this space. And largely it's because of the fact that there is such a, a strong opportunity for incongruence. There's this, this lack of consistent messaging from any one source, these massive loopholes like we talked about earlier. Um, and also because the money is flowing. Like the illicit market does not have any kind of financial impetus to switch. Um, they have a lot of money coming in to block people purchasing on their websites in different places or roadside, uh, you know, uh, stands or pop-up shops that are not paying the right tax uh, allotment or or all of the hurdles of regulatory that increase the cost of operation. Um, but really, it's, it's you know, they provide um, a, a, a situation that is giving the, the customer what they want and what they need, which is the green part of cannabis, the, the true abundant terpene profiles, high-quality strains, literally the greener cannabis uh, rich with, uh, you know, their trichomes and, and crisp, beautiful uh, sparkling crystals and smell is advertised, which is essentially what's not happening on the legal side with all of the packaging issues that we're seeing. Um, and just people having, you know, putting it through regulations, they have to have it inside a pocket. So from the illicit uh, side of things, the, 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 the group of people that still want to support and produce cannabis and get it to their end clients have, you know, some cases I think have the best intentions in mind. They really want to get the best product, the greenest of product to their customers um, in an approachable and customer-centric way. And essentially the legal world has encumbered that. It's made it not so green. 
And and that I think is really at the, the essence of why um, this is still occurring and, and the main problems that need to be fixed before we really see that elimination of the of the black market side. Well, it is, uh, you know, it is something interesting. Um, you know, we we we've been we've both been to those uh, old school dispensaries where they're weighing it in front of you and you're you're looking at the cannabis, you're smelling the cannabis, you're seeing the cannabis before you take it home, as opposed to you know, buying it, getting it home, opening it and being like, wow, those buds are not very good or whatever, you know, like nobody is, nobody yeah. is going to, nobody in an old school dispensary would buy some of the stuff that you do get, uh, in, in the there, there's the odd batch. You wouldn't do that. So I would love to be able to go back to a time where you can, uh, do that sort of thing and, and be able to, you know, experience cannabis on a, a kind of a more personal level and see exactly uh, what you're getting, but you know, I, I don't know if we'll we'll ever get to that situation. But there's got to be a happy medium between the the two situations. And until you get rid of the illicit market, well, those people are going to keep popping up. Why wouldn't they? It's it's kind of hard. It'd be weird to to if they didn't. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, thinking thinking about what that what that happy medium could look like. I mean, I actually think there is an answer to that. I think farm gain is the answer to yeah. that. You know, just like we have farm-to-table vegetables, well, the same vegetables are in the store in a package or in a cellophane or whatever. But if you think about farm gate being able to go to the place where it's grown, um, smell it fresh off of its, you know, um, natural progression before it gets to the customer, and and take it home and buy it, and mm-hmm. or buy it and take it home. I think that's the answer. But that's not legally fully legal yet. And but I think if we get moved towards that direction, because the farm gate allows to have that regulated process. Um, but within the end, the, the seed to sale is in one location or in one you know physical spot. So we can figure that out. I think we'll be closer to what that ideal happy medium is. I think that's uh, getting us closer exactly, Melka, to that happy medium. I mean, you go into a wine store, somebody can actually open a bottle of wine, pour it, and you can taste it. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're ever going to get to the point where they're going to bring out a pipe and you're going to smoke a little bit of the cannabis in the store. But man, it would be nice to be able to sniff it and look at it and see it uh, before you buy it. So so maybe we'll get there at some point. But uh, until then, as you mentioned, uh, uh, it's up to everybody else to uh, to enforce on the uh, illicit and uh, appreciate the legal market. Awesome. Yeah. And just uh, one more piece to that is educate. We've got to continue like ours ourselves and as many people as we can to uh, explain what the real legal side looks like and how to benefit from it and what are the advantages. And I think education and enforcement will be will take us a long way. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Melka. Have yourself a uh, great week and we will chat again next Wednesday. Thanks, Dean. You as well. Have a great day. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, tie stick, salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel L. Jackson, the Hobbit's leaf, Lady Gaga, 420.
For weed word of the day, I give you one slang term uh, that you may hear some people that have more experience with cannabis use and one standard term uh, that you may hear uh, people in the legal industry using for different things. Uh, The slang word today is magic dragon. I guess it's two words. The act of getting high. Let's puff the magic dragon. Um, The Honolulu head shop on White Avenue got their name from that because obviously Puff the Magic Dragon from was uh, was from a land called Honolulu. So if you ever hear somebody say they're puffing the Magic Dragon, you know they're getting high. Now the standard word is shatter. And you heard uh, Chad and I talking about that a little bit. Uh, shatter is a brittle, almost ga- glass-like extract of cannabis. It gets its name from the fact that it breaks apart really easily. Most of the time, I have seen it. It was on parchment paper. Uh, there is shatter on the market, and uh, I've I picked it up twice. Uh, once it was in the uh, shards of glass that I normally see it. The other time it was one glob. The shards of glass uh, was great. Uh, the glob was not. I was picking up shatter for days in my office because you try to get it out and it goes everywhere. So uh, when it comes in the proper form, it's great. And the color was is was a red color. I've never really seen that before. Um, but it's mostly made with cannabis material and solvents, and the process to get rid of the solvents is lengthy, very careful, takes about uh, between 8 and 20 hours, and the finished product is much, much stronger than flour. Do know that. Uh, make sure you're trying this for the first time with somebody who's experienced and can specifically help you, particularly uh, with dabbing. That can be just, just a uh, a bit of a process um on its own so there we go uh magic dragon puff the magic dragon and uh, shatter our uh, weed words of the day this is the cannabis 101 podcast your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. That'll wrap things up for us this week. Big thanks to Chad Hasten from Stigma Grow. Really enjoyed that conversation. You'll like one hitters. That'll be coming out next uh, Tuesday uh, when we put that out. Uh, also, of course, our thanks to David Wiley from the OZ, joins us for this week in Cannabis News. Uh, we featured uh, Donna Pizziotti as our cannabis character. Chris Ionson, our educator from Nova Cannabis, Jasper Ave. Use click and collect when you're picking up stuff in and out just like that. Saves you time and saves the health of our bud tenders. We did San Fernando Valley OG Kush from Simply Bear Organic. And Malka LaBelle from the Green Generation Co., Uh, joining us for the business of cannabis. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe, leave us a review. Check out www.cannabis101podcast.ca and check out podcastalley.ca if you're looking for more than just a cannabis podcast. I got a couple of sports ones, a few more things on the way. If you'd like to be involved in the show, if you think you'd make a good guest or as an advertiser, please hit me up, Cannabis. 101 podcast at gmail.com as we go you'll hear a little bit about we'll hear the entire song marijuana courtesy of the artist my dead dog thank you so much for joining me on this program today it's not just about getting high it's about getting healthy